The text for the sermon this day is taken from that reading from Acts, which you heard a little bit ago. Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So, just to start as a little note, when we're in the Easter season, our scripture readings kind of like to jump around a little bit. So we just heard from Acts chapter 2. Last week we were in Acts chapter 5. So, you know, obviously we're going backwards and then we're going to go forward again. And then, yeah, we're going all over and everything. And in fact, that's right in the middle of the Sermon on Pentecost. But we're not celebrating Pentecost until the middle of May. So it's kind of the weird, it's kind of weird the way it goes. And because of that, I'm going to have to, I have to go backwards a little bit. So if you go to the Gospel of Luke, so we just heard Jesus, the road to Emmaus, Jesus appeared, and he unraveled the scriptures for them. And then he later showed up in the upper room, and he told his disciples that you will be my witnesses beginning in, you'll be in, beginning in Jerusalem, will be preaching of repentance and the forgiveness of sins. Go for, Jump forward to Acts chapter 1. The Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts are written by the same person. Acts is the sequel to Luke. Luke begins with O Theophilus. Acts begins with O Theophilus. They're both written by the same person. So the beginning of Acts chapter 1, Jesus gives the command that you are to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Samaria, Judea, to the very ends of the earth. Ten days later, they're in Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit descends as tongues of fire, and the people begin speaking languages that they should not be able to speak. To give you perspective, it'd be kind of like if you just randomly started speaking Swahili, even though you've never learned Swahili. But that is what they were doing. They were speaking languages they had no knowledge of so that they could spread the gospel to the people who were in the crowds. Everybody thought they're drunk. And so Peter gets up and he gives this sermon. And they are, where are they? Jerusalem. Jesus said, beginning in Jerusalem. And so they are beginning in Jerusalem. And so he begins to expound upon the scriptures. So, in the Nicene Creed, we say, on the third day he rose from the dead in accordance with what? The scriptures. And the reason we say this, this is not saying, we are not saying that we believe this because the Bible says it, which that's true, but that's not actually what we're saying. We are saying that, probably actually a better way of translating, saying it would be, on the third day, he rose from the dead in fulfillment of the scriptures. So when we say it's in accordance with the scriptures, it means that Jesus is doing, is fulfilling what the Old Testament says about him. So when he was talking to the disciples on the road to Emmaus, he told them about the books of Moses. So Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, De Numbers, and Deuteronomy, the first five books. And he told them about the prophets. So basically, this is a way of talking about the Old Testament. And he's telling them that the Old Testament is all about him. The Old Testament is all about Jesus. And so now, 
On Pentecost, Peter is standing in front of the crowd and telling them that very thing. He's telling them how these texts of the Old Testament are all about Jesus. And it all culminates when you get to verse 14 and it's, he says, let, sorry, not, verse 36, sorry. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. This is what we call repentance. Preaching repentance. Or as we Lutherans like to say, preaching the law. To accuse. Because he stood in that, he stood before them and said, You crucified Jesus. Which, by the way, is very bold because he cannot know for certain that everybody in that crowd was a part of the same crowd that hollered, Crucify him. So why could he why does he say this? In fact, probably this crowd was bigger than the crowd that was hollering, crucify him. And so how can he tell them? You crucified Jesus. He could say it for the exact same reason that if he were in this sanctuary and he was preaching to you, he could say the exact same words to you. You crucified Jesus. You crucified Jesus with your sins and with your transgressions. Because if you had never sinned, if there was no sin in the world, if no one sinned even once, Jesus would not have gone to the cross. Jesus was crucified. You crucified him with your sin. And by the way, the reason we say you, and I'm not saying we, the same reason Peter didn't say we, because Peter actually could, share, could say we, Remember, he's the one that denied he even knew who Jesus was three times. But he didn't say we. He said you. You know why? Because you hits harder. He needs, to pre he needs them to hear the full force of the law. When you hear it as we, like, oh, we're not so bad. We're not as bad. You know, Peter's bad. I'm bad. Okay, whatever. But he says you cuts to the heart. Because he's not worried about people being happy. He's not worried about people feeling good about themselves. He's worried about people knowing Christ. And so he is giving the full law that you crucified him. And that is the truth for you. You crucified Jesus with your sins. And if you want to see just how simple this can be, so somebody comes to you, and they ask you, how does this look on me? And you think, well, that looks awful. But you say, that is just beautiful. That's a nice, really nice clothing. That is what we call a lie. That is sin. Or, let's say you actually are brutally honest, and you tell them what you think. That, too is sinful because you are tearing down another human being. 
Probably, actually, the best answer is to don't say anything at all. But they won't be happy with that either. So that's a simple one. Or how about this? You're driving down Highway 59. It says 55 miles per hour. What does your speedometer say? And now you're probably thinking, well, the Bible says nothing about speed limits. And you are totally right. But the Bible does say something about honoring the governing authorities. The only time we are to disobey the government is if it teach, tells us to do something contrary to God's will. So, speed limits, you're not going to find one single verse of the Bible say that they are immoral. Sorry. So in other words, when it says 55, your speedometer is supposed to say 55. Or you're driving around, you're, you have to make a quick trip to Food Pride or Dollar General or someplace. You're just going a really short trip. And you think, you know what, I don't need to, don't need to worry about that seatbelt. It's just across town or whatever. There you go. Again, that falls into that. Or you're driving, again, you're driving down 59. And someone pulls out right in front of you. Or they cut you off. Or they're driving way slower than you'd like them to go. Or they're riding your tail. You're like, just pull around. How many of you are perfect at keeping your cool when you're behind the steering wheel all the time? <laughs> if anybody's raising their hand, they don't drive a lot. <laughs> Scripture says a Christian is supposed to have self-control. And we all know that is one of the toughest times to keep self-control. And see, those are just small, those are the small, seemingly small sins. These are all parts of the reality that you crucified Jesus with your sin. Now when they, the crowd, heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise for you and for your children who are over the age of eight years old. By the way, I did not say that. Does he make any distinction of age? No. This promise is for children, whether they are a newborn infant, or if they're 120 years old, or somewhere in between. But notice, he preaches the law. He preaches repentance. In, they're in Jerusalem, and now he is preaching forgiveness of sins. Because while it is true that you crucified Jesus with your sins, it is also true that Jesus became flesh, born of Mary, born under the law, born in Bethlehem for you. Jesus was hunted down by Herod for you. Jesus was baptized by John in the Jordan River for you. Jesus was fed 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish for you. Jesus 
was betrayed. He was arrested. He was beaten. He prayed an agonizing, bloody sweat for you. He was sentenced guilty by the Sanhedrin for you. He was beaten. He was spat upon for you. He was convicted by Pilate for you. He was flogged for you. He carried the cross and fell to his knees for you. He had nails driven into his hands for you. Nails into his feet for you. A spear into his side driven to his heart for you. And over an agonizing six hours, he died for you. He was laid into the tomb, lifeless, dead, for you. On that Sunday morning, the tomb was empty for you, for he had risen from the dead for you. And he showed himself alive to almost 500 people for you. And on the four, after 40 days, he ascended into heaven for you. And on Pentecost, he sent forth that Holy Spirit unto the crowd for you. Which, by the way, this is anybody doing sermon reports? Repentance. You crucified him. That is the law. You crucified him with your sin. I'm giving you the answer, sermon report people. You crucified him with your sin. Gospel, he did it all for you. That you have forgiveness. That you have life. And this promise is for you and for your children. By his death on the cross, you are saved. Delivered to you in baptism. You receive forgiveness and life. This past Tuesday, we pastors, we had a meeting at the, that's called the Circuit Winkle. Winkle just, is just German for meeting. It's, I don't know why we use German. Well, we're German heritage. Anyways, but we got into a discussion about this text. Understand that there is no perfect Bible translation. And we use the ESV typically for our translation. And it says here, And with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. Well, it came up in our discussion, and it's actually not actually a good translation. It should actually say, Be saved. Or be delivered. Do you know what the difference is between save yourself and be saved? Save yourselves puts the work on you. You got to do something to get yourself saved. Be saved means someone is going to do it for you. And by the way, if you have a Lutheran study Bible, it has a nice little note to let you know that the ESV translated it poorly. And I think that, yeah, but it, there's other, most translations actually translate it correctly. I don't know why the ESV went off on that one. ESV is generally good, but that was kind of a weak point. Because you see, we are in the crooked generation. Peter, when he talks about baptism in his epistle, he compares it to Noah and the flood. 
In the days of the flood, people were crooked, people were broken, people were wretched. And so God flooded the earth and he saved Noah and his family, eight persons all, by means of the ark. So also, you still live in a crooked, perverse generation. If you don't believe me, just watch the news, look on social media and see some of the things that is going on around our world. We live in a crooked and perverse generation. And so God doesn't, the, the sermon isn't that you save yourself. The sermon is that you are saved by the blood of Jesus in baptism, in the proclamation of the word. He saves you from a crooked and perverse generation. He saves you from his wrath. And he leads you to a life of everlasting blessedness. This is the gospel. This is the hope we rest in. Yes, you crucified him with your sin. But he was crucified for you. That you may forever be his. Till the day we join in his everlasting kingdom. To him be all glory. In Jesus' name, amen. The great peace and mercy of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Keep you in the one true faith to life everlasting. Amen.